0: Welcome to the Ancient World Podcast. So today we're going to talk about knowledge and wisdom in the old traditions with one biblical story and in the paradiso of Dante. And before that, we're just going to reference. We had a very interesting conversation with a Greek person this week from uh, uh Peloponnese. And uh, he was a big fan of Dante. And during the chat, we had, uh, he asked this question. Because we talked about the ambition of Dante, what he tried to achieve and, and present and frame all of uh, the history and culture and, and uh, philosophy and theology in his time. So the question this person asked me was, uh, what, what do you think Dante would do today? If someone had the same ambition and project today, would they make a movie? Would they uh, create something digitally? Or uh, write the book again? Or what would they do? So uh, we just wanted to pose the question to you also as a, as a reader, as a listener. And hopefully also the maybe reader of Dante. <laughs> um, what do you think Dante would do today? So we have that question. And also, uh, what is your favorite part of the comedy if you have read it? So those are the two questions, what we have done to do today with the same project and which part of the comedy is your own personal favorite. So if you can just send it to me on ancientworld@mail.com, it will be in the description as well, Um and then we can have some, uh, some uh, conversation about that. And that will be very inspiring also and kind of a great support for keep doing this podcast. Uh, okay, so... Now to the first story with knowledge. So we're gonna look at King Solomon in the Old Testament. So he's a historical person. He was the king of Israel about three thousand years ago, like around thousand BC. And uh, so King David is the maybe the biggest one, and then King Solomon is his son. So he's also a big one. So when King Solomon become becomes the king, is about to become the king. There's a little passage that kind of lays the foundation for his, uh, uh, how he's going to rule his kingdom and, and his role in the Old Testament and in the whole Jewish tradition. And, and also like a, a, a figure to look up to when it comes to knowledge. So what happens when he's about to become the king? So this is from 1 uh, uh, king, Kings chapter 3. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "Ask what I shall give thee." So this, this is a great place to just to ponder for your, yourself if you could. This is a bit on the side, but it's um it's a great like thought experiment. Like if you could, like what do you really want out of your life? If you can have a- anything, what would you like? So this is the question that's posed to Solomon. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, and it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. So it's a beautiful little, it's kind of poetic way of describing it. (laughs) I don't know how to go in or go out or come in. And he calls himself a little child. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen. A great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I might discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? So he's just asking here for an understanding heart to judge the people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast, <laughs> because thou hast asked for this thing, and have not asked for, for yourself long life, Neither have asked for riches for yourself, nor as for the life of your enemies, but you asked for a self-understanding to discern judgment. So just remember this, like, he did not ask for a long life, for riches, or for the life of his enemies. Just for knowledge. Behold, I have done according to thy words. I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. So this is, also just remember this, because this is, we'll see this again in Dante in a different form. So there be no one like him. And then he also says, And I have also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there shall be, uh, there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days so that's a little story and uh, as we said before it's an interesting thought experiment if you can have what you want what would you like and you can in some ways translate this to very practical life choices for yourself Like it's, it's almost like an investment into the future you, like you want to have an education or you want to Learn something, and then then you will get rewards for that in the future. So it's, uh, it's also a kind of a, well, almost like you can read it as a practical advice also for yourself and how you plan your own future. Okay, so that's how it's portrayed in the Old Testament. And now we will look at uh, the paradise in Canto 10. So this is the fourth sphere of the heavens nine spheres. This is the fourth one, and this is the sphere of the sun. There are many great things in this one of my favorite, favorite parts of it, and it's also full of, um, it's, it's full of factual information as well to, to kind of dig into further. And you can see Dante's uh, love both of, of uh, like art and, and beauty and poetry, but also science. So, he says he opens, it's kind of a big opening on this canto. So, looking upon his son with all that love which each of them breathes breathes forth eternally, that uncreated, ineffable first one, has fashioned all that moves in mind and space in such sublime proportions that no one can see it and not feel his presence there. There's an increasing feeling in the paradiso, the third book, that you you ca- you come in closer to divinity and kind of pure love and, and, and delight. and the light, and like almost in every canto and especially in every sphere, this is like this is strength that is growing, and also the presence uh, that is written here. And then Dante says to like um, line six here, sorry line, line seven, look up now, reader with me to the spheres, look straight to that point of the lofty wheels, where the one motion and the other cross, and there begin to revel in the work of that great artist who so loves his art, his gaze is fixed on it perpetually. So the great artist is then the creator of the universe, and the universe is his art. And then the spheres, the two, the lofty wheels. so. What he's describing here is the cosmology around 1300. We looked upon two main things in astronomy. One was how the planets are moving around the Earth, as one big wheel, and the other wheel is how the path of the Sun across the sky is moving constantly through the whole year, Uh, and then. When they, the, and they looked upon this as two, two wheels and two motions, and when they crossed each other, at that point when one and the other cross, is the equinox for uh, spring and for autumn. Consider how the wheel the planets ride branches from there obliquely. This it does to satisfy the earth that calls on them for if their track had not been as been set aslant as then the great powers of heaven would be vain and earth's potentialities still born and if its deviation from the straight were greater than it is or less disorder would come about in both our hemispheres so what he means there is that the way these two wheels are positioned with each other creates the seasons so the equinox and then the shortest and the longest day but then also how they move along in the different uh, star constellations so what he says if, if this had been different we wouldn't have the same seasons and the same kind of fertility with spring and uh, yeah, just how nature is going through the cycles the earth's potentialities and then he says because this is in some sense uh, Very technical science. So then Dante says, Now reader, do not leave the table yet. Reflect upon what you have only tasted. If you would dine on joy before you tire. I put the food out, now you feed yourself. Because the theme which makes of me its scribe demands all of my concentration now. So what he's saying now, do not leave the table, is that he's given us, when we read it, a little bit of, of astronomy, science, in knowledge. But he knows that it's complicated, so that's why he says, You only tasted it, but please don't leave the table. Don't don't leave kind of the, uh, <laughs> all the all the knowledge that, that you could have in front of you. So he puts the f- food out, but now he has to concentrate on the theme that has made him its scribe. The most sublime of nature's ministers, which stamps the plan of heaven on the world, and with it, its light measures ta- the time for us, now being in conjunction with that place I pointed out, was wheeling through the spirals in which we see it earlier each day. So uh, nature's ministers, so this is like the sun, and then the sun is, with its light, is measuring the time for us. So this is more science how a day is measured by the sun's movement and a year is also measured by the same. And then he talks about the spiral is, is also how they the model they had for cosmology at the time where the sun was moving in, in very complicated spirals through the year. Okay, so uh, but then he keeps coming back more to the poetry and to the like the emotional, the spiritual and the atriche. So, and just a reminder, the main thing of this canto is that he, he's about to meet 12 lights that are symbols of like 12 souls, or 12 spirits of the wisest and most knowledgeable people. And they will surround him very shortly here. So, Dante is for a second, he's very um, fascinated by. Uh, being up in the spheres and the creation of like, the big artist and, and the universe. And also then what he sees as the divinity. So Beatrice says to him, give thanks th- uh, and now give thanks, thanks to the son of angels, by whose grace you have ascended to this son of, of sense. And then he's uh, a bit later, so totally did I direct all my love to him, that Beatrice eclipsed, eclipsed had left my mind. This is an important part in the in the paradise where suddenly he's been absorbed in beatrice sort of almost all the time until this point but again like this gradual movement in the paradise is now he was for a little moment he was more preoccupied by divinity and kind of the, the bigger picture and then she left him his mind for a second but this did not displease her and she smiled so that the splendor of her laughing eyes broke my mind's spell. Again, I was aware of many things. So he's, he's kind of broken out of the spell. And then he sees Beatrice again, and he's also moving the attention for himself and for us when we read it towards the main topic of the knowledge in this canto. So there he says, Flashes of living light made us a center, and themselves a crown, their voices sweeter than their aspect bright. These are the 12 lights that are surrounding them. When singing, circling, all those blazing suns had wheeled around the two of us three times like stars that circle close to the fixed poles. So he has many ways of describing how these 12 spirits and souls are, uh, and lights are around them. First was a crown, and then here it's uh, how the stars... Like if you look at the north... Star. The the other stars are circling around them, around that star very, uh, kind of slowly. So this is another way of describing. And then. The first one of the lights is speaking. Then from within its light, a voice spoke. Since the ray of grace by which true love is kindled and then grows lovingly, the more it loves shines forth in you, so greatly magnified, that it allows you to ascend these stairs, which none descends, except to mount again." So he's not saying who this first voice is, until a little bit later, half a page later, and this is Thomas Aquinas, Thomas of Aquino. But what he says here is that he has ascended up to the fourth sphere in Paradise, and he says and that no one descends from the fourth s- sphere unless they're go- going to come up again. So it would only be because they are going down to explain things or tell things, and like Dante would then go down and write the book when he's back on Earth after this uh, ascent. So this is Thomas Aquena. And then you have, he goes through all the 12, one, to the 12 ones, but the, the important one is the fifth one, so just going to read this. Uh, this the last part so here because here we come to King Solomon. The fifth light, the most beautiful of all, breathes from a love so passionate that men still hunger down on earth to know his fate. His flame contains that lofty mind instilled with wisdom so profound, if truth speak truth that never arose a second with such such vision. This is just Dante's rewriting of the same passage that we had in the beginning from the Old Testament. And then he ends the canto with So I was witness to that glorious wheel, moving and playing voice on voice in Concord, with sweetness, harmony unknown, save there where joy becomes one with eternity. This is also a, like a motive that's getting stronger, especially, and this was kind of how the the whole book ends with the eternity and the love becoming becoming one. Okay, so um, that's uh, a kind of a quick summary of the uh, tenth canto. Um, the circle is important here as a, as a symbol that the twelve souls are in a circle because the circle is um, both perfection and eternity sun is very important, that they're in the sphere of the sun. The sun is a symbol of intellectual power, illumination, and it's also a representation of divinity. And one of the, the themes in Dante is that the goal of wisdom, like the ultimate goal of wisdom, is to understand the divine essence, which is how the, the whole comedy also ends. And there's, there's, such, there's so many references back and forth in the whole comedy so to understand the divine essence what he's showing through the three books is that first you have the intellectual journey like two books with virgil and rationality and then you get the third book which is spiritual emotional with beatrice and uh, she can show things that pure rationality and the intellect cannot do which is why she earlier when she starts speaking to him when they start the journey he says, I, why are your words flying above my head? And she says, because I'm teaching you the difference between the earthly and the divine. So, um, yes, also just add one more thing. So Beatrice and, and Danta are standing in, this, in the center of this circle. And Beatrice is also the symbol of theology and also revelation and divine wisdom. So she has a a very important role for Dante in the the Paradise. Okay, so uh, we're going to stop it here and then um, hope to hear from some of you uh, for the questions we had in the beginning. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of days. So thank you so much for listening and have a great day.